We forget to lead ourselves and we forget that most behaviors are caught, not taught. Right. So what I mean by that is if we're not modeling the behaviors that we want from our team and showing up as the best versions of ourselves, um, then it's easy for our team to be misconstrued about what's important. Welcome to the Leadership Download Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today's episode. Today we have David Kitchen. He is also known as Kitch or Coach Kitch. Coach Kitch is the founder and president of Edge Leadership Academy. He is also a former one division coach and a PhD candidate. And the topic that we're going to be talking about today on this episode is leading yourself and leading from the inside out. So we're going to be covering on how to best lead yourself and focusing on self-leadership and why that is so important in our leadership journey and focusing on ourselves and leading from the inside out. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Kitch and we'll catch you again at the end of this episode for further information. Hope you enjoy this episode. Well, David, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Happy to have you on. And I'm really looking forward to to our discussion today. Yeah, man, this is going to be fun. I always look forward to connecting with like-minded people and get a chance to chop it up and talk some leadership and talk life, man. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, it's been great getting to know you and uh, learning more about how you built your business. So um, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and who you are. Yeah, so I'll kind of give you the Reader's Digest version. Um, so everybody in my family calls me Kitch, man. And and I think the only person left that calls me David in the world is probably my mother when I'm in trouble. So I, I go by Kitch <laughs> primarily. Uh, but to a lot of people, I'm Coach Kitch. And, you know, I graduated from Susquehanna University with a business degree. Um, and got into tech sales and got into IT sales um, right out of school. And I realized very quickly that that was just not the route for me. Um, financially, it was very lucrative. It made a lot of sense, you know, selling cloud solutions to small and medium businesses. Um, and it just wasn't filling my bucket, man. It wasn't making me happy. Um, and so I wrote a letter to every Division One university on the East Coast And I said, I will quit my job right now if you let me come learn how to be a strength and conditioning coach in your weight room. Um, And so I was fortunate enough to get a response uh, and pack my bags. And I headed out to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and went to Robert Morris University um, and started coaching and got the opportunity um, from there to eventually become the youngest head strength and conditioning coach um, in all of college athletics. So I was 24 years old when I got my first head job um, and then was the youngest assistant director at the division one level two years later. Um, got the opportunity to coach major college football. I've coached major uh, men's basketball. Um, and so I had a really successful and and really fortunate, really, um, you know, eye-opening journey through college athletics for 10 years. So I spent 10 years as a college strength and conditioning coach. Um, and through that journey, you know, I kept hearing things that set me up for where I'm at now. And what I mean by that is I kept hearing coaches, administrators, Um, scouts, players, everybody saying we need more leaders, right? No matter what university I was at, no matter what sports team I was working with, what level it was, I kept hearing that same thing. Um, And so that led to a master's degree in sports psychology. And it also led me to start thinking about what a business could look like teaching leadership. So I had the opportunity throughout my career to build leadership councils, do a lot of leadership development within the athletics programs, lead my own staff, my own teams. I mean, as a director of strength and conditioning, you're over, you know, anywhere from four to 600 student athletes that you're in charge of. Um, And so, you know, I had a lot of experience building leaders and being a leader. Um, And so when the pandemic hit, 
I took the opportunity to walk away from a division one contract and start edge leadership Academy. And I went back to school and started working on my PhD. Um, and flash forward three years, we are a leadership development company. Um, we technically a consulting firm, I guess. Um, but what we do is we simplify leadership and we simplify high performance into frameworks, into actionable items, into things that people can use on a day-to-day basis with their teams, their businesses, their relationships, and their lives. So ultimately, who I am is just a guy that wants to be the driving force behind other people's success. Um, that's my that's my goal. My goal is to build a community where people can learn, grow, and execute and become the best versions of themselves, um, whatever that means to them. So that's kind of the, the Reader's Digest of who I am. Um, obviously, we can dive into the weeds as we get going here. Well, cool. Well, I'll I'll call you Kitch instead of David. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, really, when we started prepping for this, um, I think the topic we came to was what I really want to dive into is leading yourself and leading from the inside out. You know, this is so important in in leadership. And, um, you know, for me, when I first started leadership, leading yourself and leading from the inside out, this was an afterthought for me, because I was so focused on, you know, trying to be the best leader I could be for my people. And, you know, the intricacies of the the technical things you need to learn when you get into a leadership role. Um, So I guess what we'll start off is um, really, what is the importance of self leadership? And why is this so crucial for um our professional and personal growth uh man it's it's the the basis of everything right it's the basis of everything if you can't lead yourself first um you can forget about leading other people and and you're right there's so many times where we're in leadership roles and we're so concerned with everybody else and making sure that we show up you know for everybody else and make sure that their lives are easier and that we're providing them with the resources uh that they need to be successful that we forget to lead ourselves And we forget that most behaviors are caught, not taught, right? So what I mean by that is if we're not modeling the behaviors that we want from our team and showing up as the best versions of ourselves, um, then it's easy for our team to be misconstrued about what's important, you know? And so then you become the guy that's preaching one thing, but living another. And we all know that that's a very lonely place to be as a leader. You quickly go from being a leader um, to just being somebody who's out for a walk with no followers, right? And so um, the first step is always to become somebody worth following that's going somewhere worth going. Um, And so when we talk about that, when we work with our clients, um, we start with character and we start with getting really, really clear on who you are, what's important to you, um, what your vision is, what your mission is, what your values are. And then we'll work into the business side of it, right? And so um, the reason that I approach it that way is because my business is a reflection of me. And I think most great leaders, um, their business or whatever their role is within a business, their leadership style is a reflection of them as an individual, right? And so if you don't know who you are, um, you can't really lead anybody else. So we always start with that. Yeah, that's that's great. I like that. Become someone worth following. And I think that's so important, um, especially when we're talking about character. I think it's it's important to um, not just be of a person of great character, but I think when you step into a leadership role, there's so much temptations to um, to almost break that and and then lose that character. And I've seen so many individuals where they've done things, they've fought, fell into those temptations. Uh, and um, they pretty much lost their character and everything that they stood for. Yeah. And it, you know, it's, it's interesting because when you get into leadership and the higher you climb, the less it's about you. Right. And, and 
but the more eyes are on you. And so you have to be aware that people are constantly looking to see if you can be bought. And what I mean by being bought is not necessarily financial. I just mean, can your character be bought? Like, will you give up something that you said was important for a short-term fix or for short-term profits um, or for an easier route to something? Like people are constantly looking at that. Uh, and so I think it's so important to be able to build a character that can withstand, like you said, the temptations, um, but also withstand the successes. Like there's so many people out there that get buried by success. Um, and that's a reflection of character, like becoming more successful, whether it's your team becoming more successful, you individually financially becoming successful, becoming famous or well-known or a thought leader in your industry, whatever, that stuff doesn't hide your flaws. It All it does is reveal them and it highlights them on a very high level. And so if your character is not strong, all those character flaws that you had before are going to be revealed and everybody's going to see them, right? And so it's so important for you to create habits um, in a social circle and the ability to emotionally regulate so that when you get to that mountaintop and you're hopefully bringing people with you as a leader, but when you achieve that, that you're there to stay and it's there to be sustainable over time. Right. And the only currency that's accepted at the top of the mountaintop, man, is, is character. Mm -hmm. You can get up that you can get halfway up the mountain with luck. You can get, you know, halfway up the mountain with talent. You can get even closer with the right connections. But when you get to the top of that door, man, I picture like a doorman standing outside and it's, it's the only currency that he takes for a cover charge is character. Hmm. Yeah, that's so true. So how, how can, um, people really cultivate that self-awareness uh, where they become true, like better leaders of themselves. How, how do, where do they start? Start. I think you have to start by auditing yourself. You have to start by figuring out where you're at. Like you have to start by figuring out um, what are my daily habits, right? What am I doing on a daily basis that reflects my vision, my mission, and my values. So if I say that something is important to me, and this is the easiest way to figure it out, you write down your values and you might say, okay, you know, um, just for instance, I'll use my own just because for, for, sim for simplicity's sake, I say that I am committed to growth, right? So that's my value. That's, that's a core value for me. The next column that I'm going to write next to that is what habits do I have that reflect that, right? So for me, it's meditation, it's training, it's being a lifelong learner. It's all, all these different habits that I have. Then next to that, I'm going to write down what the actual specific daily behaviors that I have that reflect it are. And once you can do that, it's going to give you a clear view of whether that's an actual value for you or not. Because if you can't come up with habits and daily behaviors that you do that reflect that value, it's not your true value, right? And so if you're trying to cultivate that self-awareness, you have to be willing to look in the mirror and you have to be able to start with you and say, okay, this is where I'm at right now. Maybe it's not perfect, but now let me create a plan for how I'm going to become the, the person that I want to become and the person that's worth following, right? So it all starts with that um, initial habit audit. The second thing is just auditing your social circle. Like look at how do you handle interactions? Because what you tolerate from yourself and from the people around you tells everyone out there what's important to you, right? And so how do you treat people when you're in a bad mood? Like, how do you treat the doorman? How do you treat the guy, the, the person at dinner? Like when I take somebody, a business associate out for dinner, I watch very closely how they interact with the, with the uh, service workers. How do they work 
or how do they interact with the server? How do they interact with the valet? How do they interact with everybody that we come in contact with? Because that's what I want to see. I want to see what kind of character that person has, right? So make sure you're being aware of that and you're, you're, cor- you're curating your social circle with people that you respect and people that have the values that you want to emulate, right? Because we all know that old cliche, like you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. Well, what do those five people say about you? Because here's the thing, you get around certain people and you might say to someone, hey, I'm going to come you know, to your barbecue or whatever, you're having an event, I'll be there. And they say, okay, this is you know, Hey, these people are going to be here. This is Joe. This is John. This is Jim. You know, but before you meet Tommy, I got to warn you, Tommy's a little bit of an a-hole. Well, what does that say about you? Because my question then becomes, well, then why is Tommy here? Yeah. Right. That that's what, so that to me sticks out. Right. And so that's another piece of it. The other piece is self-regulatory behaviors. And so it's having a process for how you're going to handle success, how you're going to handle adversity and how you're going to handle um, setbacks. Right. You have to be able to know, like, what is that going to look like? So when I be when I achieve X, Y, Z goal, I have to have a process where I go back to my vision, mission and values. And I now evaluate what is working that I can bring with me to this next level of my life. And what do I need to leave behind? Right. That's maturity. That's being able to self-regulate. That's being able to stay humble within the process. Okay. If I quote unquote fail, which I don't really believe in failure, I think you either win or you learn. But if I have one of those setbacks, how am I going to evaluate the process that led up to that to make sure that I don't, that I'm learning from it and I'm moving on? Because to me, that's emotional maturity, right? If you repeat the same mistake over and over and over, you're not maturing because you're not evaluating the process. So all of those things um, come together to create this growth mindset. And that's ultimately what you're chasing, right? It's a strong character combined with a growth mindset. Yeah, I really like that, what you said trying to observe people and how they treat, you know, the valet, the janitor or or whatever. And um, I remember a leader telling me, you know, and I even saw this, he preached it and he, he uh, emulated that is he treated the, the janitor better than the rest of the employees, better than the rest of the employees. And it was very apparent. And um, I really like that. And that's a true part of of someone's character. But I also liked um, your comment on your inner circle and the people that you surround yourself with, because um, you may not think it, but it really impacts the trajectory of where you're going to go. Um, I, I remember even early on when I was a teenager, you know, the people that you that you hang out with really is the trajectory where you're going to go. Uh, and um, I tend to keep my inner circle very, very small just because uh i know that i need people uh, on my i need people with me to help support me to to where kind of the direction that i want to go in yeah and and there's there's actually a study that just came out i, f- I forget where it came from so i'll have to look this up and i'll get it to you so you have it to, to cite it but um they found that by being in close proximity to high performers you increase your performance by 15% just by being around them Right. And then on the on the opposite side, I think it was 35 percent was the decrease if you're around low performers. Right. So it really makes a huge difference who's in that circle. And I think the higher that you get in your chosen field, whatever it is, you have to be more and more careful about what your social circle looks like and what type of people you're surrounding yourself with. You have to curate that. And so the way that I approach this and the way that I I teach our clients to approach it is to have three different levels to your relationships, right? And so on the outside level 
it, are those people that are kind of fringe friends, their connections, their people that you like to play golf with from time to time. Maybe they're guys you want to watch a game with and drink a beer. Um, maybe they're business people that like, you know, if you see them at an event, you'll shake their hand, you'll have a drink with them, but they're not somebody um, that's necessarily good for you all the time. And so to me, those people have to have limited access and limited influence on me. They have to be people that that relationship is on my terms, meaning you cannot take away from the way that the trajectory that I'm trying to take. The minute that you do, the relationship is terminated, right? And so I have to be very, very clear about where people stand in my life. And so those people that are on the level three, those are people that I like. I like you, you know, but that's as far as it goes. And then as you move inward, the number gets smaller, right? So there's a lot of people that are in that connection space for me. When you get inward, now you have your level two. These are your teammates. These are your fa- your friends, your family. Um, these are people that add value most of the time, but you still have to have boundaries with these people because I'm still trying to figure out, are you built for the climb or are you going to get altitude sickness as we go up this mountain? Like okay. I still want to figure out how do you handle adversity? How do you handle all these things, right? You might have some quirks about you. There might be some immaturities that you still need to work out. And so these level two people, are generally people that you like and you love, right? And so they 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 stay in that level too, and they're there, um, and they're good for you most of the time. But again, you have to manage the relationship. That's your responsibility as a high performer is to be in control of your environment, right? And then level three are the people in your inner circle. This is your tribe. These are the people that, to me, these are the people that bleed with me, they sweat with me, they cry with me, right? These are the people that I want to take with me to war. These are the ones that are hooked into the harness with me on the climb up Mount Everest. Like, that's the type of people that I want in the middle. Now, these people are people that I can lean on and be honest and vulnerable with. They're people that I can count on to hold me accountable. Like, my inner circle, I'm very clear with them that they have a responsibility as well. Just as much as I have a responsibility to them, they have a responsibility to me too, to hold me accountable. They have a green light to say whatever they need to say to me because those are the people that I respect and I want to emulate. And so when I look at them, everybody in your inner circle, you should be able to look at those people and say, okay, Joe's in my inner circle. This is why. Jim's in my inner circle. This is why. Denise is in my inner circle. This is why, right? You should have a very clear understanding. And you should also have a very clear expectation on both sides that, Hey, if I'm ever not holding up my end of the bargain, let me know. Let's be straight about this. Right. But those people get the most access and influence to you. And just because somebody's in a certain level, doesn't mean that they're always guaranteed access there. Right. So somebody might be a level one and you know, life goes on and they move to level two or they move to level three to that outskirt. Right. And so you have to be very um, intentional about curating that. And some people say that that's harsh. Some people say that I'm a little bit cold about that, but I audit my relationships like every four or not every four, probably every quarter. So every four months, three months, I try and audit my relationships and I try and sit down and I pick five to seven people from each level that I spent the most time with. And I'm like, okay, what am I bringing to this relationship? What are they bringing to this relationship? How do I feel during the interaction? How do I feel after the interaction? Do I walk away feeling energized? Do I walk away feeling drained? You know, what traits do they bring out in me? Like there's people on my my connections list that are on the outside that, listen, I love going out to the golf course with them and having a couple drinks and relaxing, but sometimes they bring out bad traits in me. 
Like sometimes they bring out my competitiveness to a place that's not healthy. Sometimes they bring out, um, you know, the fact that I like to have a good time and, and, and get a little rowdy. They bring that out to me. Like I can't have that. And so I have to manage those relationships. Right. So it's being very intentional about curating those things um, and, and not getting toxic with, you know, quote unquote, cutting people off. Like if somebody's in that level two and maybe you're outgrowing them, I'm going to be very intentional about trying to throw them a rope. Like I'm going to be very intentional about trying to give them resources to level up with me because I want my, I want my bench, so to say, to be very deep. I want all the people that I'm connected with, whether they're on one, two or three to be growing and to be going in the right direction. Right. So that I have a community of high performers around me um, right. to help push me forward. And so I'm going to be very intentional before I relegate somebody to, Hey, we can't hang out anymore. And I'm not going to be that cold about it. I'm not just going to say that, but before I, before I do that, I'm going to be very intentional about giving them opportunities to show me that they still want to learn and they still want to get better and they still want to grow. Right. So I might send them an article and just say, Hey, you know, read this thought of you hope, check it out. You know what I mean? And then I'm, I'm going to be very intentional about watching what the response is that I get back and see like, is this person going to grab the rope that I'm sending them to continue the climb? Or are they going to say, Hey, I got to sit here for a while and work on my own emotional maturity for a bit. And that's okay. That doesn't make you a bad person. I just have to be very careful about the people that I bring into my life because they affect my trajectory and they affect my leadership ability. Mm, that's so good. Yeah. One thing that that I'd like to do is um, associate also with people that are way ahead of me because that, that truly helped change my mindset in leadership and really helped uh, really understand the mindset of where I want to go and what I need to be looking forward to. And so that that's been a big part of of uh, my leadership journey as well. Yeah. The, the mentorship piece is, is enormous, man. Um, I think sometimes when we get into leadership roles, we feel like we've arrived. And so we don't actively seek out mentorship. Yeah. Right? And I think that that's such a mistake. I think there's so much value to be had um, to reach out to people and follow in footsteps and learn from people. Um, and so you know, the other, the other thing to remember though, is when you're younger and when you're earlier on in your career, those mentorships might, those mentors might appear organically. So they might just be in the environment you're in. Like if you're a salesman, there might be a sales manager that serves as a mentor, right? As you get higher up, you have to be more intentional about seeking those relationships out and making sure that they're the right mentor for you. And so that means that you can't be afraid to invest in a mentor and pay them and say, Hey, this is the right fit for me. You have the tools that I want. You have the values that I want. I'm going to pay to build this relationship, right? And so there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that, um, you know, for people that kind of sit back and say, well, there's nobody around me to mentor me. Listen, it's 2023. Get on your phone. Like mm -hmm. the, the resources are there. You yeah. just have to seek them out. You know, you just have to seek them out. Um, I'm running a business from rural Pennsylvania and my mentors are in North Carolina Texas, um, Atlanta, Vegas, like my mentors are all spread out across the country, but you know what? I got to call with them every week. Like you can do it if you put the time and the effort and the finances behind it. And that gets you in the right rooms. Right. And that's the, that's the other piece. Um, on the flip side of that, I think when you reach a certain level, you should also have a mentee. Like, I think, I, I think that's equally as important as having a mentor is when you get to a certain level um, where you're proficient in things and you know that you're proficient and it's tried and true, you should try and teach it to other people. 
because I think that that reinforces your ability to connect with people. It also reinforces your ability to um, pass on to the next generation and to iterate on your own ideas. Yeah. So how is the, what's the importance of self-discipline and how can people really like cultivate self-discipline into their, um, especially when in leadership? Yeah. Discipline is, <laughs> it, it sets the stage for your ability to be consistent, right? And humans operate off of pattern recognition. Like when we're looking for somebody to follow, um, when we're looking for a leader to buy into, we want somebody that we can, in one way or another, predict their reactions and their actions. We want to know that we can follow this person. There's not going to be a huge curveball because yeah. usually you're following them into the unknown. Like the whole point of leadership is to take people to a place that they haven't been, right? It's to take them to a level that they haven't been to. So you're following them into the unknown. So you want to be able to predict how they're going to handle it. Like you don't want to be surprised if, if a tiger jumps out you don't want the leader to all of a sudden turn around and run. Like that's not a good situation. You want to know how they handle surprises, how they handle adversity. And so self-discipline sets your stage to be able to be consistent. And so part of being disciplined is being willing to look at your own life and say, okay, how am I spending my time? How am I deploying my most important resources, which is my time and my energy? Like, what am I doing throughout a day and being able to be disciplined in your approach day in and day out, right? And so I have what I call the 70-25-5 rule, right? So I think leaders, um, and I've seen this be successful for a lot of people. I use it in my own life. Leaders get pulled in so many different directions when we walk in the door in the morning. When we yeah. walk into the office, there's so many things. There's fires to be put out. And sometimes what happens is we end up doing everybody's job except our own. And so- for me, the, the way leaders should operate when I look at this is they should be spending 70% of their time on things that are already their strengths. So 70% of your resources, 70% of your effort should be spent on things that you are already good at because that's the reason that you're the leader because you're good at those things. So you should spend 70% of your time doing that stuff. Okay. And I know some people are like, well, shouldn't you work on your weaknesses until they become your strengths? Listen, when you get to that level where you're, you're a leader at a high level, you're there because you're good at something. So double down on it and make it a competitive advantage. Get even better at it, right? And that doesn't mean that you don't build new skills because that's where the 25% comes in. So you have 70% on your strengths, 25% is on new skills and new initiatives, right? So for me as an entrepreneur, it could be finding new skills that complement my ability to deliver our content. So that might be going to a public speaking course. It might be better understanding um, some of the backend operations of our podcast or our backend operations of our, our webinars, right? So you see how there's, they're not necessarily my strengths, but they're mm -hmm. still tied to my strength. They support my strengths. So I'm going to spend 25% of my time or my day on those new initiatives on R and D is what I call it. And then I'm going to spend the last 5% on things that I suck at. 5% is going to be spent on my weaknesses. And that 5%, and the reason that I only spend 5% is because when that comes across my desk, it's probably something that was somebody else's job or it wouldn't be coming across my desk. And so what I'm doing then, because again, not, not everybody thinks of thinks about things like you do as a leader. What I'm doing by delegating that 5% or delegating everything that falls within that is helping the people on my team start to operate in that 70, 25, five, right? Because I'm helping them spend more time in their 70%. So if something comes across my desk that's finance related, I send it to my finance guy and I say, hey, 
I know this is your strength. Could I figure it out? Yeah, sure. I want you to do it. This is, this is your deal. Let's talk through this. Right. But what that does is again, it makes the whole operation more consistent because they know, okay, if it's finance related, it's coming here. And again, I know most businesses are siloed off like that, but think about it on little micro tasks that come across your desk as a leader. And you're just like, oh, I'll just do it. Right. That's not good. We're buying dogs and we're barking for them. We have to train the dogs to know what their 70% is and take care of it. And sometimes it's just a clerical error. Sometimes it's just, hey, this email got sent to the wrong person, right? But our instinct is, oh, no, it's in my inbox. I got to do it, right? No, you don't. No, you don't. That's not your job, right? And so I think that's a big part of being consistent and building that discipline in the way that you show up day after day. Yeah, I really like how you put that. Spend 70% on your strengths, your 25% on R&D, and then 5% on things that you're really not good at. And um, I think that's why you have a team there too, is you have your team there to help you in the areas that you need support in. Because of course, just like you mentioned, Kitch, it's it's based on your strengths and what you're good at is why you're in that leadership role you're in today. You're not there because of your weaknesses. And um, you have a team alongside with you to help you with that 5%. Yeah, and it shows them that you value them. It mm-hmm. shows them that you're bought in and shows them that you respect their skill sets and that you you brought them here for a reason, right? And and that says a lot because it builds trust then. So now you have a stronger team that's bought in. They're like, hey, no, my boss or my my leader understands and and respects the fact that I'm really good at this area or I'm really good at this area. And now you're allowing them to operate in that and grow into it. Mm-hmm. So in uh, leadership, of course, as we know, it, it's not an easy journey. It's always filled with setbacks and challenges more than more than I ever thought. <laughs> um, but what would you say? Um, how how can people um, develop and maintain uh, like that positive and empowering mindset to lead themselves through these challenges and setbacks? And I feel like I face it every day in leadership. Yeah, you do. There's there's so many and it it's messy. You know, that's, that's the, that's the thing about leadership. It's messy and you're going to make mistakes and things are going to happen. But part of maintaining the mindset through adversity is not shying away from it, right? Instead it's embracing it. And so a lot of leaders, I shouldn't say a lot of leaders, but new leaders, especially when things happen, they get flustered and they start, they start to to panic and, and things speak, things get sped up. Right. And then you make decisions based on emotion instead of reason. Um, And so the best way to maintain your mindset through that is to decide to respond instead of react, right? So you want to slow things down, right? So when that, when that email hits that says, you know, a deal fell through or X, Y, Z happened, it's riding out that initial wave of, you know, cortisol and the stress hormones that are being released and everything else and fighting that, fighting that um, instinctive, instinctive need to react right away like slow down. That's step number one. Um, And then step number two is just being really intentional about having systems in place to navigate setbacks and adversity. Uh, The punches that knock us out are the ones that we didn't see coming. So if you're doing things within your team, like before action reviews and after action reviews, where you're sitting down and you're going through, what are the things that could possibly set us back in this? Or what are the possible adversities that are coming 
then you're not as surprised by them because they're probably some variation of something that you've already thought about, right? You already have a contingency plan in place. Now, obviously we can't plan for everything, i.e. the pandemic, right? You can't plan for that. Yeah. So part of it is, is being confident in your team that, hey, if we need to make a pivot, we can make a pivot because we know what our vision, our mission, our values are. We know how we're going to operate as a culture. And so if we have to change the daily behaviors a little bit, we can do that. And we can pivot and still be successful, right? And so it's it's acknowledging that the adversity is coming. And I think it's really naive for leaders to think that everything is going to be 75 and sunny all the time. It's just not, right? And so you have to be able to navigate those storms um, and keep your head, like keep your head level and self-regulate through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another thing is, is time management and productivity. I think that's, that's oh, another man. thing that, that is a real struggle uh, for leaders, especially like I said, leadership is messy. <laughs> a lot gets thrown at you, especially you know when you walk in in the morning in the office. Um, how how do you manage that? How do you manage managing your time or productivity to really focus on leading yourself? Yeah, so I I am very very clear um, about the way that I structure my weeks. Right. And so, and I know it's not always, it's not always possible. Like that's just the reality of it. Um, and I say that as somebody who is an entrepreneur and has his hands in multiple businesses and I do have a team, right. But every week just doesn't fall in the line the way you want it to. So for you to try and just say, I'm going to schedule this way every week, it, it's just, sometimes it's just not realistic. Um, but I think making that approach is, is really helpful. And so sitting down, at the beginning of the week and coming up with, you know, your, uh, your strategy session. So every Sunday I do a strategy session where I'm looking at, okay, what are the big rocks for this week? What are the things that I need to get done? Right. And I put those on a list and then I write down my small rocks. Okay. These are things that need to get done. All right. But, but they're not as important as these big things. The big things have deadlines, the big things. And we'll, we'll talk about the Eisenhower matrix here in a minute, but the big things have deadlines, the smaller things maybe don't have deadlines and I'm going to fill those in. Right. And then the other piece that I'm going to figure out when I take that big rock, little rock list, I'm going to look at my schedule for the week and I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to build a skeleton schedule, meaning I'm going to start to block out two to no more than three hours. I think once you get over three hours, Nobody can really focus much longer than that um, on one project. So I think three hours maximum is usually what I use. Again, maybe you're different. You got to figure out what works for you. But I put those three hour blocks in and then I go and then I backfill them with small rocks, big rocks, whatever needs to get done. Right now, the things that I also do to manage my time is I have non-negotiables in my schedule. So when I open my schedule for the week, it's not a blank week. There's already things on there that don't get moved. Those are things like my morning routine. Those are things like my lunch, things like my um, afternoon. If I, if I like most days, I like to take a 30 minute walk and just get outside and get away and just think for a minute, that stuff doesn't get moved, right? Those are important to me. Those are non-negotiables that helps me manage the rest of the system. So I put those things in first before anything else. So you have your non-negotiables. Now you have your skeleton schedule on top of that. So you have your skeleton blocks of like, when am I going to do my big rocks? When am I going to do my little rocks? From there, you can start to build things in, right? Then you can start to put checkpoints and deadlines in and things like that. Um, but I think it's it's really important to try that time blocking piece where you're blocking off, hey, this three hours is going to be deep work, uninterrupted. This is going to be for a big rock, 
right? This is something that I really need to get done. Um, the other piece that's really valuable for me is I, I call it going back to school. So when I say go back to school, like when we're in college, particularly semesters are 16 weeks long. Yeah. Right. And so I think breaking your life up into those seasons or into those semesters is really helpful as well. And knowing what am I optimizing for in this time? What am I optimizing for during this season of my life? And it could be four weeks. It could be eight weeks, 12 weeks, 16, whatever you want to do. I think anything over 16 is a little excessive. Um, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that and I'm going to say, okay, this is the season that I'm in. This is the semester that I'm in. It's going to be a, so I'll, I'll use our business for right now, just as an example. Like right now we're in a high growth phase. We know that. Okay. So our next 16 weeks is a big sprint for us where we need to get a lot of things done. So when I do that, I'm now able to look at my life and say, okay, high priority right now is business. Medium priority right now is, you know, my other side businesses that I'm involved in. Low priority right now is social relationships. Like I'm not going to spend a lot of time out right now. And so now I know, okay, these are the things that should be filling up the majority of my schedule. Like this is what my schedule should kind of look like. It's also going to impact the way I work out. It's going to impact the way that I eat. It's going to impact everything because I'm optimizing for this, hmm. right? And so when you do that and you have these blocks, you can now define the keys to success for each block. So you can say, okay, what does it take for me to win these next 16 weeks? Like, what are the outcomes that I need? What projects need to be launched? How many clients do we have to have signed? What are the deliverables, et cetera? Then you say, okay, what do I need to just stay even in my medium priority things? What are the minimum things that I can do? Or not the minimum things, but sorry. What are the things that I can do that will keep us status quo in my other businesses while I'm really stretching with the leadership business? Okay, and then I'm gonna look at, what's my minimally viable product or MVP or MVS for the low priority things. So for my social circle, what's the minimum that I can give that will maintain my relationships there. It's not going to make them better. It's not going to make them worse. I can fix it. Right. And once you have those things, now you have a much clearer way to start scheduling your time and using that, that skeleton calendar. We talked about the weekly strategy session, um, the time blocking, et cetera. And then like when it comes to, um, you know, tasks and actually looking at stuff. Like I, I think the Eisenhower matrix is probably the most useful. It's something that I use a lot. I don't know if you're, are you familiar with that? Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's probably the, the most useful when it comes down to just the tasks um, where you can just draw the, you know, the four, the quadrants and there's the four, four different quadrants in there. And you just say, is it something that I need to do? Is it something that I needed to, to plan and decide on? Is it something that I need to delegate or is it something that I need to eliminate? And then you have, you know, understanding whether it's urgent urgent and important, urgent and unimportant, or I'm sorry, unimportant, you know, et cetera. And you figure that out. Um, and you can do those matrix matrix for each area of your life. Like you don't have to just use it for work. You can use that for things at home, um, et cetera. And so, you know, that's, there's, there's a million productivity hacks out there. That's the way that I build. It's the way that I build my system. Um, it's what works for me now. Has that changed a lot over three years? Absolutely. Um, will it change a lot over the next three years? Absolutely. Right. So it's, it's constantly being, being willing to evolve and, and adjust, but there's certain things that follow me from level to level, no matter where I'm at in my life. And those are things like the skeleton calendar and the non-negotiables um, and then building out my blocks as well. So like knowing what season of life I'm in. Yeah, that's so good. The way you laid that out. And I really like how you mentioned um, do 
take our schedules and life and put it in different semesters because I read this book. Um, actually had her on the podcast. Christy Wright talks about, um, she wrote a book called Take Back Your Time. And she talks about how balance is, you know, we always focus on this work-life balance, but that's really not achievable. And she she was saying that balance is different for everyone. And you talked about, you know, having those high priority items, those medium and, and then low priority items. Um, there's going to be different seasons in our life where we're going to have to keep like your leadership business right now is a huge priority for the next 16 weeks. You can't do your medium stuff at that same level is just impossible. And I think that's, that's where I struggled with. And I know a lot of leaders struggle with this is they try to do all this stuff and try to do it all in parallel when in reality, you can't do that. And that's when, that's when leaders just face frustration and ultimately they just burn out because they, they want to, move forward in all the areas uh all together at the same time yeah and i i learned it in in theory um from a mentor of mine who he was a, he was the director of strength and conditioning at unlv uh, his name's sean manuel but he also had a family of five he also had a side business and then he was he was extremely active in the community so he had all these things going on and he was speaking all over the country and he was doing all this stuff and i remember we were on a layover in charlotte north carolina and i said how do you manage all this and he said i think about it like spinning plates he said so what i do is i in my mind each area of my life is a plate on a stick right you're spinning it mm -hmm. once you get it going you can take your hand off it for a while and you can start spinning another plate and then you try and keep them all at whatever speed you need for that time. And so that was kind of where that came from. And that example made a lot, lot more sense to me than trying to chase balance. And that's mm -hmm. what he always said. He said, it's not balance, it's integration. Yeah. It's, it's integrating work and life together um, and knowing what, you know, what season you're in. Yeah, man, this is great. <laughs> I've really been enjoying this conversation. Um, so as I kind of, uh, as we, uh, come to a close of this this podcast episode um you know continuous learning and personal development is an is a crucial aspect of it and that's something that i i learned early on it's like you have to continue to develop yourself learn something um even like i've been like learning stuff that is not relevant to my what i'm doing like i'm learning real estate you know other stuff um so how important is continuous learning and personal development uh, as as a part of that self leadership that we're talking about, yeah, it it's the it's the piece that creates opportunities for you, right? So the more well developed you are, um, the better are the better you are in business, the better you are in your relationships, the better you are suited for when pivots come. Um, so like you were just saying, you you came from the aerospace industry, correct? Mm -hmm. And now you're learning real estate. You're doing a podcast you're creating more opportunities for yourself. And so the more you do that, the more you spread it. I'm not saying you need to come become an expert in every area, but the more you learn and you grow, especially like it, I like learning industry adjacent things, right? So something that's tied to my industry, but it's kind of off to the side. It's maybe a subsector or something else. Um, but when you look at that, it creates more opportunities because now you have more skills and more tools. The other piece is you can pull lessons from that and bring them into the environment that you're in now right and so there's this concept in psychology called learning agility which is a big predictor of leadership success and what it is is your ability to take an, a lesson 
in certain constraints under certain stimuli and apply it to another context with different constraints and different stimuli. Right. And so I think that's where the personal development piece comes in uh, for leaders is that if you're consistently learning in other places, you can utilize that within your business. You can also utilize it within your relationships, within your life. Um, And I've noticed for me personally, the more work I've done on myself, as far as diving down the rabbit hole of, you know, self-improvement from a mindset standpoint, from an emotional and mental health standpoint, from a physical standpoint, et cetera, the better my business gets, the better my relationships with my clients get, the better relationships I have with my team. It it all happens together, right? And so I I think really high-performing people understand that life doesn't happen in a vacuum and each area of your life is not in a vacuum, right? So you need to be developing across the whole board because what you're ultimately trying to do to become a high performer in your life, not just in business, but in your life, if you want to become a high performing leader of your family, leader of your community and leader of your business, then what you need to do is build a system that really what it does is it it decreases the likelihood of failure, right? And how do you do that? By adding as many tools to your toolbox as you can. And by learning different things and learning different um, approaches and things like that, and being anchored in a vision, a mission, and a set of values. Yeah. Once you decrease that likelihood of failure and you build that system, what's really cool about it is naturally guardrails start to come up that help you. So meaning you surround yourself with the right environments, you put yourself around the right people, you're asking the right questions, you're taking in the right content, you're engaging in the right relationships, like all these things start to happen. And then the more you do that, the higher quality those things get, and the easier and more straightforward the right decisions become. And the more friction starts to show up between you and the wrong decisions, Mm. right? So think about like, if you, if you hang out with a bunch of healthy people, if you hang out with a bunch of people that do CrossFit or Olympic lifting or whatever, they compete or there's, there's some sort of, of fitness uh, level to them. And you go out to dinner, how uncomfortable is it for you to order a burger and fries? When they're all eating something healthier, right? Very uncomfortable. Right. How uncomfortable does it become to make a bad business decision when, when you're surrounded by great entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. like all these things start to happen. Like it becomes very hard to be a bad friend when you're surrounded by high quality relationships. Like it's, so that's what happens is the better you get and the more you grow, the better environments you put yourself in that make great decisions, obvious and bad decisions really hard. Yeah, that's so good. Um, so as we wrap up, I do have some final fun questions just so our listeners can get to know you. Um, we'll start with a easy one. What are you reading today? So I actually just got it this morning. I got the alter ego effect by Todd Herman. Um, Just got the book. Yes. I just started it this morning. Yeah. Cool. Uh, What is one bucket list item that you would like to do next? Uh, I don't know about next, but I want to ride a bull. Ride a bull. I I really want to ride a bull. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dead or alive. Who would you like to have lunch with? Oh, that's a good question. Um, That's a great question. I don't know. I don't know. I could I have a dinner party. I think there's a, there's a lot of people throughout <laughs> history that I that I'd like to I'd like to talk to. I'd like to spend some time with um, some famous, some infamous. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't have an answer for that one. No. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That's always a tough one for people. Yeah, on the spot like that. I I mean, yeah. I could think of. Yeah, I'd love to sit down with Martin Luther King. 
Yeah. Um, I think that would be, I think that would be phenomenal. Uh, but there's a lot of other people that I'd like to sit down. I'd like, to, yeah, um, it, it'd be a dinner party. We'd have to have a reservation for six. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, well, Kitch, uh, last words of encouragement to our listeners. Yeah, take big swings. Um, go after what you want in life and understand that you are literally one decision away from a different life. Um, and when it comes to leadership, just always remember that you're in the people business. Like we talk about all these intricate systems and theories and applications and things. It comes down to being who you needed, like be the person you needed, be the, be the brother you needed, the father, the mother, the sister, et cetera, the manager, the team leader, uh, just be who you needed, put your people first and you'll be on your way to being a great leader. Mm. Wow. Well, Kitch, it was uh, very nice to get to know you a little bit more and really enjoyed our conversation talking about self-leadership. Um, before we go, how can people learn more about you and connect with you and the work that you're doing? Yeah, so I'm on every social media at Coach D. Kitch. Um, we have our website, edgeleadershipacademy.com. Um, we'll also have our mentorship group will be opening up again soon here in a couple of weeks. So if anybody's interested in doing that guided mentorship, it's 12 weeks uh, live mentorship with me. Um, we have that coming up. That's called The Table. And then other than that, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm open on social media. All my profiles are, are public and out there. And so just get in the DMs and we can have a conversation and, and hopefully uh, you enjoy what you find. Well, cool. Uh, for those listening, we'll drop those links in the podcast description on whichever platform you're listening on so that you can connect with Kitch and uh, all the work that he does. Well, th thank you, Kitch. Uh, it was great. Really enjoy this conversation talking about self-leadership. It's it's so important uh, in today's world with leadership. And um, really, uh, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you, man. I really enjoyed being on. Love what you guys are doing, man. Continue to build the message. Thank you. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Leadership Download Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this podcast interview with Kitch talking about leading yourself and why this is so important in our leadership. If you want to connect with Kitch and go and uh, follow him on social media, you can find the link in whichever platform you're listening on. And also, if you want to connect with us, TC Advisor Group or a professional leadership training and coaching company with offering variety of services on an individual level team level and also an organizational level if you want to connect with us you can go to tcadvisorygroup.com to find out some of our services and schedule a discovery call with us to find out more about um, your pain points and where you are finding uh, some lack within your organization your team or yourself as an individual so you can find out more at the website tcadvisorygroup.com. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Leadership Download Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already so that you receive a notification when the next episode goes live. We're going to be wrapping up the year next week and talking about the things that we've learned through 2023. So really hope you enjoy this um, time of holidays and reflection and tune in next week and also feel free as you go on your travels catch up on some of the previous episodes of the podcast and uh, thank you again for tuning in catch you on the next one